Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Uh, now that's what I call music. And they were really compilations of the greatest hits for that year or that decade. And if you really were lucky, there would be a couple other little bonus remixes in there. You know how I many y'all love a good remix? Man, we've had some good, the worship team's been doing a good job remixing some, some classics. Uh, well, that's kind of what we're doing over the summer. We're really just taking the best. The teaching team's picked our very favorite messages. And we've given them a little remix to help encourage you this summer. Today I'm excited because the message, uh, this is one of the messages I picked. Uh, it's a powerful message for you specifically if you're breathing okay it's something that all of us can use it's not just for one person it's really for all of us it's called stronger through the storm today we're going to talk about how storms are used by God to make you stronger even though they're not all caused by God speaking of storms I don't know if you knew this I googled I like kind of some facts on storms a storm is officially a wind that is sustained at 55 uh, to 63 miles per hour Thunderstorms form when moisture, unstable air, and lift all come together for a combination. Hail forms when thunderstorm updrafts rapidly force rain below freezing level. That's what turns it into hail, even though the temperature is is maybe hot outside. That's what turns it into hail. The most expensive hailstorm ever recorded was actually in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, everything's bigger in Texas, especially hailstorms. Come on. All right. It was in 1995, and it caused $2 billion worth of damage. If you're an insurance adjuster, you were very, very busy during that hailstorm and after. The hail was four inches side to side. That's softball size hail. At any given moment on planet Earth, there are approximately 2,000 thunderstorms happening at the same time. We can predict a lot of things, but most thunderstorms are actually unpredictable. They're the result of many circumstances all coming together to form what we affectionately call the perfect storm. How many of you have lived for more than five minutes and you've had metaphorically the perfect storm happen in your life? Right? I think this is why if you're breathing, right, if you're breathing in your life, if you haven't had a storm, you're just really, really young. Okay, don't worry, it's coming for you. Okay, but how you and I weather storms are massive indicators uh, of personal growth or massive indicators for how we're going to grow through the future. Did you know in the Bible, one of the most common metaphors is this metaphor of storms. It's this idea that we find ourselves in a storm, all right? We, as believing people, we don't keep our eyes fixed on the storm, but we turn to God. By the way, we're going to learn about that a little bit today. We turn to God and he rescues us from the storm. Many years ago, I did a series uh, called uh, Route 666, and we studied through the book of Revelation. It was fun. It was a fun series. We're actually going to be teaching the book of Revelation as well. It shouldn't scare you, especially if you're a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, it can be a little scary, but we're going to talk about that this fall. Make sure that you join us. But I remember I was teaching that series, and I had one of those just kind of old, kind of, I call them kind of old, crusty believer, you know, kind of walks up, kind of, kind of a little mean, little, you know, you have a media of those? Oh, no, because you're in a great church, okay? All right? <laughs> Those people, all right? But I mean, he kind of came up to me. He goes, pastor, with this kind of just self-righteous indignation kind of look on his face. He says, he says I, just, I just don't believe, I just don't believe that in a rescue theology. I said, a rescue theology? Have you read the Bible? 
The Bible is full of people who got themselves into situations that were their fault. Some things that were just attacks from Satan and some things were the result of other people. When they're in their deepest hour of need, they cry out to God and what does God do? They rescue, I'm like a rescue theology. You mean, be the, you mean the Christian life? Come on, somebody. <laughs> we serve a rescue God. Now he gives us practical steps, right? He doesn't ever make us leap. He doesn't ever make us step too far. He gives us practical steps to walk in those moments. But how many of you know we serve a rescue God? We do. Psalm 107, 28 says this. The psalmist writes, Lord, help. Has anybody ever cried that out? They cried in their trouble. Look what happened. And he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. It's fascinating. Psalms is in the Old Testament, which means it was written uh, B.C. It was written before Christ. Think about that. He calmed the storm to a whisper and it was still. You might immediately jump to the story we're going to study today in the Bible. I don't know what storm you find yourself in. I promise you, maybe it's a storm with your kids, a storm in your health. As a matter of fact, I love as a pastor reading prayer cards. We actually uh, meet up together every single Monday. Our staff prays. It's at 10 o'clock. It's a staff chapel. If you're ever bored in the middle of the day, you can come hang out with us and pray. But we lift up all the needs that come in, uh, including the ones that were spoken here, and we join that. We, we, we get to see what people are going through. We see people who struggled in their finances. We see people who struggle in their marriage, their health, uh, struggling with one of their kids, maybe an aging parent, knowing what to do, how to navigate certain things. You and I, listen, if you're not in a storm, I can promise you this, you're going to be in one again. So here's what happens. You're either preparing for a storm, you're in the storm, or you're coming down the other side of a storm. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible. Uh, you might hear Christians quote it a lot. Uh, it's the, you know, say unto that mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt, but believe, you know, the mountain will move. How many of you guys have ever seen that happen? By the way, it was a metaphor. <laughs> and it's the only time that particular metaphor was used. And, and, and Jesus was trying to point a picture to faith to teach us something about faith. Here's what I'll tell you. What that doesn't mean is say to that problem in your life, be gone and it goes away because God uses problems to develop us. Jesus himself said there's going to be trouble, but you can still take heart and have joy in me. You see, what I think a lot of people do when we look at something that's unexpected, by the way, storms are by definition unexpected. You know, meteorologists have like the best job ever. <laughs> you know, if they're right, they're like, they're like I'm God. <laughs> and if they're wrong, they're like, that was an act of God. <laughs> The reality is storms form from all of these situations completely out of our control, some kind of in our control, but how many of you know, even though you try to control, things get out of control fast. By nature, they're unpredictable. By nature, right, they, they tend to kind of hit us and blindside us, right? The, 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 the bigger blindside, the worse the storm. Did you know that there's a, there's a, there's a, a story recorded in Scripture and it's a story of Jesus calming the storm. It's actually a story that's repeated in the Bible uh, in every synoptic gospel. Right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And every single one of them, they record variation of the stories. As a matter of fact, if you're Bible, we're going to study Mark's account in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse uh, 35, kind of after it's settled. Okay, But this version is included. And here's what you need to understand if you're new to the Bible, you're new to reading the Bible, you're new to listening to the Word. Okay, Anytime in the Bible you see a theme or you see a pattern... Okay, you need to imagine that you're getting one of those texts with the slam effect. Remember that? You, you need to add emojis. There's no emoji in the Hebrew language. Like we have exclamation points and at signs and, you know, we do all the little, when you're mad, you know, the little cussing emoji. 
You know, as Christians use that to kind of vent, kind of get around that rule. <laughs> right? There, there's none of that in the Hebrew language. When, when the, when, in the Hebrew language, when God wanted to get your attention, he simply repeated himself. And every parent here says, amen, come on. Your kids, it's like, you better take that snack off the carpet. They start kind of walking. Boy, don't make, take that. I'm going to say it again. We say it again. We start counting. How many of y'all counters? So so here's what I would encourage you to do when you're reading scripture. Instead of hyper-focusing on one scripture that's whispered, look for where God's screaming in the word. We say it this way. Don't scream where he whispers and don't whisper where he screams. In the Bible, you can see themes that are like emphasis in your life. They're main eye. Is. This is actually one of those stories. And when you look at, when you see a theme, always look around the passage. That's called context. Look around at what's going on. It didn't just happen in that moment. There's a, there's a whole context around it, just like in your life, to the problems and the storms you face. There's a context that, that are causing that to happen. There's variables, right? Like, like in a storm, right? There's variables that come together. There's variables in our life as well. We need to look at those. Jesus had been teaching, actually, a huge crowd of people in every single one of of, of these accounts before he was teaching people about faith. That's what was happening. He was teaching people about how to have faith. He teaches a huge crowd of people, the parable of the sower, which, by the way, is a formula for growing in faith. It's the one we use as a church, right? It's a parable of the sower. Then he goes on to say the effects of, of faith, a lamp on a stand, was meant to give everyone light. Did you know your faith is meant to, like, light the world and make it taste better? <laughs> That's what the Christian's supposed to do, Right? Then there's a parable of the farmer planting seed, and, then, and then, then he talks about faith being like a mustard seed, right? Saying that, that even in small amounts, it's incredibly powerful. By the way, that was the idea with the mountain. It was a, it was a metaphor saying it's so powerful that if you could just get this, you ever do it with your kids? If you could just understand this one thing, right, it would change everything. So this is the context, the backdrop for the storm, you know? So Mark 4, 35, I love this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other. Have you ever listened to Jesus and then there was a storm? It was his idea. He's with grown men who fish on this sea. It's like a giant lake. And I'm going to tell you, I've been there. And you can be on it and and in a moment's notice, it can switch. And it's like you're literally in the middle of the ocean. I mean, it's unbelievable how the arid climate creates these massive shifts, almost like monsoons, that just completely change the area. It was Jesus, right, by the way, who wasn't a fisherman, okay, looking at fishermen who were kind of looking at the sky going, you know, it kind of looks like it might storm today. <laughs> and he tells them, let's cross to the other side of the boat. I love this because they looked at the, you know, they kind of looked and they, they saw some of them and they, I love this. So they took Jesus. That's a good idea. It's a really good idea. Many of us, we don't take Jesus with us in the storms, but we need him in the storms. They take him, and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Look at this, verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. That's a really, really bad one. That's a 1995 softball hill-sized storm. It wasn't just like a storm. I mean, the Bible says fierce. You need to probably pay attention. It wasn't just like any other storm, meaning that something else was going on, too. This was also an attack. High waves were breaking into the boat to begin to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping. (laughs) Sleeping while the boat was breaking and taking on water. Right? He he had his head, I love it. He had his head on a cushion. Mark decided we needed to know that. (laughs) Mark's like, he put some details. Like, like it was a cushion. Like, he wasn't just like laying on wood. I mean, he was was like, he was like a deep sleep. I mean, y'all sleep, but then you deep sleep. 
Jesus was in a deep sleep. So much so he didn't wake up until the disciples woke him shouting, teachers, and listen to what they say. Don't you care that we're going down? How many of y'all said that to God? God, don't you care about my family? God, don't you care about my future? God, don't you, with me? By the way, that's how we all act in a storm. We have to learn. We have to learn a different way. I love this. When Jesus woke up, I assume he probably, if there was an emoji there, maybe an eye roll emoji. You know, it's like, oh, again, guys. He rebuked the wind, and he says, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was great calm. Just like the fierce storm came, but Jesus, there was a great calm. Then he asked them, I love this, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? <laughs> Every teacher who's tried to teach something, and the people didn't get it. I mean, how many times? He's like, he's like I just like, this is all I talked about this entire week, guys. This is all of it. Like, you, you should not have responded that way. <laughs> Why are you so, do you still have no faith? And all the disciples here, it's like, they didn't even answer his question. <laughs> it's just hilarious. They still missed the point because they were still terrified from the storm. And then they realized, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Think about their reaction there for just a minute. I'm going to give you some really practical stuff but it's founded on this understanding. You and I, we have problems that we kind of go, and there's a reason why not everyone comes up for prayer. Raise your hand if you have something you believe in God for. Right? But there's some things you're kind of thinking, I could, I could probably handle that. The disciples are the same way. They, they saw Jesus heal, heal the blind. The lame saw, the lame walked. The dead rose. But like, I mean, the cosmos? I mean, acts of God? In their mind, they were like, they're in the middle of the storm and they, they, they waited till they got all revved up and all scared because they thought to themselves, like, I mean, he has power over a lot of stuff. But does he have power over this? You and I, we do the same thing in our lives and we hold things back from God. I would encourage you in the next several weeks and months, come up here and pray with us. It's a powerful when you stand with other believers who get your eyes off the storm and repoint them to the creator. I can't tell you how many people have had answered prayers right here. We'll never, we're, we're gonna do this. We're gonna keep doing it. Because it matters, right? But here's, here's kind of the big idea. When you're, when you're in a storm, when you're surrounded in stress, the worst thing you can do is rely on your feelings. The worst thing you can do is rely on your feelings and your emotions. By the way, my feelings and emotions, they're, they're accurate about 95% of the time. I'm sorry, they're not accurate about 95% of the time. About 5% they are. By the way, when they're not accurate, it's really foolish for you to base your life or make a big life-changing decision off of them. But even with the five that are accurate, they're really fleeting. So to try to build your life on it, it's like they're all, it's always kind of zipping away. It's always kind of chasing. I see a lot of Christians do this. They kind of chase for the next high. They chase for the next moment with God, right, when Christ actually abides in them through the Holy Spirit. Never, ever leaves you. Matter of fact, when you get together, the reason why you feel God in this place is because of the people you're sitting around and the words of God that are being spoken. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. There's a multiplication thing that happens in this room. This is why gathering together is so important. This can never happen like this on a podcast. All right? There's just something about being together that causes it to happen. But the reality is, is most of our feelings aren't real. They can't be trusted. The worst thing we can do is rely on them. So we've got to go back to the Word. So we're going to do that in the next six minutes. I may borrow a couple of your minutes, if you'll let me. Okay, but here's the big idea today. If Jesus is taking you to the other side, you follow him, you love him, you're taking steps to grow, right? You've surrendered your life to him. Here's the truth. He will calm the storms along the way. 
This is, this is the truth that the disciples needed to understand that he was trying to get them to see. And, you know, over the years, we've been through a lot of storms. I know many of you have. And so what I want to do in the few moments we have left is I want to talk to you about how you respond practically in a storm. As a Christian, what was Jesus getting at when he says, oh, you of little faith? What was he, what was he trying to get them to understand? The first thing is this. Realize that we generally don't understand the storm while we're in it. This is really important. This is really important. Our first thought in a storm is, what could I have done different on the other side? That's sure. But have you noticed it's always easy, you're always more calm when you're helping somebody else through a storm than when you're in one, right? Many times in a storm, the goal is not to understand. We say this a lot. If, you're just, if you just get stuck with why, why, why all the time, you're going to have a real hard time following God. Sometimes you've got to move from why to what's next, right? Sometimes the, the, the goal isn't to understand. The goal is to trust the one who brings you through it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, the Apostle Paul writes, it's a rough time for the church in Thessalonica. Like they really needed to hear this because their circumstances were not good. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Right? Be thankful for all circumstances. Didn't say for all, did it? There's some bad things that happen that have nothing to do with God. But God does say as a believer, we're to be thankful in all of them. We're not to give thanks for them, but we can be thankful in them. For this is whose will? God's will. It's for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, we go through a lot of the same storms that other people around us go through that don't love God. And, and because we love God, this is God's will for how we do it. Uh, can I just tell you, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when your next storm comes. One of the greatest testimonies to those around you and to maturity of faith in you is how you navigate those when a world's watching. The Bible says we're to be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. We shouldn't be surprised when we have trials and sorrows. The next thing we've got to do is we've got to resist the urge to change what we know to be true about God. We say this a lot here, but your experiences are not always truth. They hold a piece of the truth, maybe. All right? Only God's word is truth. So while our experiences might inform us about the world around us, only God's word forms who we are and what we believe. And notice here, the disciples weren't just scared. They didn't just wake up saying, we're scared. They wake up, they woke up, they felt deeply abandoned by Jesus in their greatest moment of need. Maybe you've felt something similar. My encouragement to you as you're walking through a storm isn't to change what you know to be true about God. As a pastor, I've seen it over and over again. When people change their perspective and they turn it all on God, they live in their pain, they get stuck in their storm. Here's what happens in the storm. The enemy whispers and accuses God. He's always whispering. We all have that voice. We all have that voice. We do. We all have that inner voice that's constantly, God, are you real? Do you love me, God? God, do you care? Just like the disciples, they just vocalize what many of us feel when we're going through a storm. Whenever you take steps away from God, you'll always find a couple people who will help you justify it. You know, you're just really busy. Why don't you step away from the thing you need the most? Why don't you start isolating the other people who love God in your life? Why don't you just focus on you? You know what? It's about time somebody, somebody noticed you for a change. It's about time. I love this self-care. Oh, we got to care for ourselves. That's so biblical. Have you read it? Did you know that we're built while we care for others? That's how you're made. You'll never find fulfillment caring for yourself. Matter of fact, when you look at suicide rates, the poorest countries have the lowest rates. The countries with the most prosperity and the most options through the roof. 
It's through the roof. I had a pastor friend say this. I think he's being a little harsh, but there's some truth to what he said. He said, prosperity in the United States has made the church soft. It's made us weak. Have you ever heard being weathered? You know, I, I said this last service, but this idea of everything God wants to do in our, our life, he always puts weight on our life because it's weight, right? Weight makes you stronger, resistance. For example, when I'm working out alone, like I'm real careful about what I put on the bench press. Because I'm like, man, I'm alone. <laughs> Nobody helped me with this. This thing chokes me out, man. My wife's going to find me three days later. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's not true. It's actually not true. When those babies crying, she's coming to look. <laughs> All right, but when you have a spotter, what happens? You can push through a barrier. You can push through a barrier. See, what happens is we try to do it alone. We try to put weight on the bar, and it chokes us out. What we really need is a spotter who can be there with us. And there, there's, this, there's this thing about casting our care and our burdens to God. It's almost like he comes in and he kind of, he, he makes up the difference while we're becoming strong enough to do what he's called us to do. That's the power of mountains in our life, of storms. We can just sit here and curse the darkness, right? Or we can look at the obstacle God's put in our life and we can say, you know what, God, this is hard. I'm going to stay focused on you and I'm going to believe on the other side of this. I'm going to be stronger. He works all things good for those who love him. It's just true. And here's the thing. When those lies come, and I want to tell you this, when those lies come, there's only one way you can defeat a lie. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in your mouth. It's not in your mind. Did you know it's not enough to be accused by the enemy in your head or to accuse God in your head or have those thoughts come in and then just overcome them with positive thinking? There's a lot of that garbage out there. It doesn't work. The Bible says that you need to, only a truth overcomes a lie. And faith doesn't just happen because you think faith, 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 faith. It's because you speak faith. Faith in what? God's word. We need to know God's word in those moments. We need to know God's word through and in those trials. Only a truth replaces a lie. The next thing we've got to do is you've got to remember that God's with you in the storm. We started off with Psalm 107, and here we see the pattern continue in the story of Jesus. This was not the only storm his disciples were faced. They faced many more, but Jesus was helping them learn how to face them. John 14, 23. I'm going to close with this passage and a couple encouragements. If you're, if you're in here and you're struggling through a storm, and you're, you, maybe you've been through some storms that have just knocked you out. Knocked you out of church. Knocked you out of faith. Just knocked you out. This is an anchor passage for you to go back to. Right? Because a lot of times we want God to orbit our universe. That's not how it works. We have to orbit him. Many times on the backside of losing, failure, we have to reorient our life back to what matters most. Jesus replies here in John. He says, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. He's speaking to his disciples. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you the things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Look at this. I am leaving you with a gift. Here's the gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace, everyone say peace. The peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. In response, don't be troubled or afraid. Here's what will never work in the storm. Mind over matter trying to willpower your way through it, trying to control every factor that causes it. Here's what does work. Jesus, I trust you. I believe 
that you are working in this storm. I believe you care about me. You haven't left me, and I need some more of your peace. When we learn how to trust God in the storm, this is important. All right, this is important. We start to see through to the other side. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our church family this summer as we all kind of reset. I pray, God, we would reset our own heart. Father, we would make priority for you this summer. Father, we would continue to grow. I pray right now for anybody in here within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you. I pray, God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would draw them to you. That, Lord, as they get off the throne of their life, as they surrender it to you, you're going to hand it back to them better. I pray they wouldn't leave today without making that decision. Lord God, I also pray with those of us, maybe we followed Christ for some time, but maybe we're a little tired. Maybe we've, we've not been able to see the meaning or the purpose of some of the storms we've walked through. I pray this week as we continue this conversation in our small groups, as we have conversations with our family in our car, with our friends, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak the meaning. That, Lord God, for many of us, we would have light bulb moments that we would begin to understand how we're stronger and what you want to use that strength for as we process and move through storms of life. I pray, God, that in everything we do this week, Lord, we would bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.